the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. And so that ark carried it, and it was placed in a tent all those years. For centuries, God had camped out in a tent on the move with his people, often on the move too. He was a mobile God. That's Pastor Michael Oxentenko, and this is Reaching Your Heart. Today's message with Pastor Michael Oxentenko is entitled, I Have a Hero Who is Dad. And you can find it online at reachingyourheart.com. Before we get started, we want you to know that we believe here at Reaching Your Heart that God answers prayer. If you need prayer, please call us at any time, day or night, 888-244-HOPE. That's 888-244-4673. Here now is our pastor teacher, Michael Oxenteco. Friend, when you're used up in life, that's when the wolves move in to cut you down, finish you off. Am I right? Am I right? That's what happens. I was down and the wolves were all around me and then a hero came along. A man of courage who was true to duty, who loved the Adventist message and the word of God, true to principle. The principle of God's word is the needle to the pole. He didn't err to the right or to the left. He wasn't a fanatic in any direction. He had the right center of what it meant to be a Seventh-day Adventist Christian who loves Jesus, his Bible, and the people of God. A man who was not afraid to face evil men down, be it outside the church or in it, and stand for Jesus and for a broken pastor who was broken down. It's not always that a hero comes along in life, but when one does, your life can be changed so that it's a different kind of life after you meet him. Every child that has a father needs to know that in some meaningful and deep way, their father is a hero. He's a hero. I'm having a hard time today. You've got to work with me. That's how God has designed it. Now, I grew up without a father. Many of you know that. I only had one for a little brief snippet of time. At the age of 15, for two months, I had a father. Then he died. God miraculously brought me to him. But my dad never did for me what other mentors who have been like fathers have done for me. I moved on and became a father without him. And when the wolves moved in, about 20 years ago, there was a special man for me and a special father figure. Not my father. A father figure who became a patriarch to us all at Reaching Hearts International, who stood in the gap as a patriarchal shepherd of God's people moving toward a future we couldn't see but he could envision. We'll be moving into our church soon. And there is a man who saw it all 17 years ago. It was Dr. John Butler, and he lived for it. He threw his retirement away in many ways to make sure we didn't fail here. When he saw us erring along the way, he had that gentle way of just pulling us together and calling us to what really matters, our vision, our purpose, God's calling, the message. And he did it with a smile and a poem very often. He'd write a poem and, boy, the ship was redirected. A hero came along. 
with the strength to carry on. He pointed us to Jesus by example more than word. And he led the way until it was time for others to lead in his place. He knew when to step down. Under the lordship of Jesus Christ, Dr. John Butler is the one man chosen by Christ who founded the Reaching Hearts Church. And he is the patriarch of this church who beat the wolves back to see it happen and see people saved. I have to say that today. Many of you don't know that we've lost a hero. He died Tuesday. In the Bible, there was another man who beat the wolves back to see it happen, and his name was King David. David was a hero in Israel. He was anointed by the prophet Samuel as a boy who would become king over all Israel. I mean, he started his journey early in life. His brothers laughed at the whole idea of a boy who would be king. They probably were jealous of the fact that Samuel anointed him. David was tested while he was young. You see, he began to experiment with music and the things of God when he was young. He would later lead the whole people of God as the great singer of Israel. And he met a giant on the field of battle with five smooth stones and a sling. And why did he pick five stones? Because one was for Goliath of Gath, and Goliath had four brothers. And he was that day not just going to take out Goliath, he was going to take out all five of those giants. He only needed one stone for each because God would help him hit the mark every time. David had a lion's heart, the lion of the tribe of Judah. And David stood up to the giant and he took him down on a day when King Saul, who was head and shoulders above every man in Israel, was hiding in his tent, afraid to fight the giant, the only giant in Israel. A hero came along that day, a small boy, a young teenager with a sling and courage and faith who trusted in God. The giant was slain by a boy who became a king. David's life was a hard life after that. He spent most of his early years, his best years, running from King Saul who was jealous of him. But in time, David became a king. You know, Steve Green has a song, Hidden Valleys. It's old now. Hidden Valleys, he says, you know, a shepherd boy can become a king. And when he became king, David defeated all of God's enemies and he was decisively established by God's power as one of the great men of the earth. David had his ups and downs, but God worked with him. You know, friend, if you have your ups and downs, God will work with you too. You ever feel like God doesn't work with you? Come on, do you? If you're honest, you'll say yes. He does. I have a friend in my family who's going through a rehab program, just finished, got out of a rehab program. You know, I had a choice to make. I could either browbeat him because he'd messed up and got hooked on painkillers, or I could be what I needed to be, a brother for him. God would rather work with us and grow us than lose us. And he worked with David. David didn't start out perfect. He got to be the man he was by a road of ups and downs at times, mainly up, but he had his downs. You know, he messed up with another man's wife, which was a huge down. But he repented of his error. He wrote the most precious psalm of repentance in the Bible, Psalms 51. He struggled with that problem. And there are men of God who have struggled with that problem. He struggled with his son Absalom. He didn't get it right in the nurture thing. His son died trying to kill him. Huge loss in his life. But he didn't give up on God. He grew in God. And the songs shifted and changed as the seasons of his life changed. And in time, the intrigue of kingship in his later years came to a crisis point among King David's children. And David abdicated the throne in humility so that Solomon, his young son, could become king to end the crisis. He knew when to step down as a leader. The man who was anointed king over all Israel stepped down so his son can rule. He had a dream that carried him all his life. 
And all his life, he fought for it all the way into his old age. He wanted to build a house for God that was beautiful. He wanted it to be the best house in the entire world that would point men and women and children to God. And the nations could come and find God there. A place where God could be found, where the scriptures could be taught, where God's name, God's law, which is the same thing, could be housed there. It would be a place where the character of God would be revealed to the world. Take your Bibles and turn with me to 2 Samuel 7, verse 1. Because here's where the journey starts, where the story is told of a hero who had a dream to plant a house for God. Verse 1, now, when the king dwelt in his house and the Lord had given him rest from all his enemies round about, the king said to Nathan the prophet, see now, I dwell in a house of cedar, but the ark of God dwells in a tent. Now, in 2 Samuel 6, 2, the ark of God was called by the name of the Lord. The Bible is very clear that when you honor God's name, you honor his law because God's name, God's law, same thing. So when God's name was placed in that ark, because it was called by the name of the Lord, it meant God's character, God's law, God's nature, who God is was there. And so that ark carried it, and it was placed in a tent all those years. For centuries, God had camped out in a tent on the move with his people, often on the move too. He was a mobile God. But in time, they built houses in the promised land. They settled down, and he kept on living in a tent. Friends, we worship a humble God who does not require some great edifice to be in our midst. Verse 3, and Nathan said to the king, go, do all that is in your heart, for the Lord is with you. Now he was speaking for God from his feelings, but not from divine revelation. He spoke too quickly here, and God had to straighten him out. And so the prophet Nathan got a corrective. You know, Nathan was a humble man. Sometimes people say, well, you know, I'm in position of leadership. I don't want to correct myself. I don't want to say anything like I was wrong. You know, Dr. Butler would come to me on more than one occasion. He would slap me on the hand. And it was, Pastor Mike... Not good. And he would correct me. I am so grateful for those corrections. One day he set me down in his home and he corrected me on some huge blind spot in my life. And I began to get whiny at first and not take it. And then his voice didn't go up. It went down. Softened. And he kept going at it until I said, you're right. And I softened up. That's wisdom. And I'm forever grateful for that. There are times when leaders have to be corrected. And I'm no exception here. And a hero can come along and do it. But, you know, in this case, Nathan had to be corrected by God. Verse 4, but that same night the word of the Lord came to Nathan. Go and tell my servant David, thus says the Lord, would you build a house for me to dwell in? Friends, God started with a question level directly at David here, which would later be delivered. David, is that what you really want? David, do you want to build me a house? Well, let me tell you something here. And look at verse 6. God said, I have not dwelt in a house since the day I was brought up by the people of Israel from Egypt to this day, that I have been moving about a tent for my dwelling. What he's saying is, you know, David, I'm a pup tent kind of God. I'm a camping out kind of God. I don't need to have something beautiful and expensive, arrogant and gaudy. I'm happy to live in my tent. I'm a camping out kind of God. Verse 7, he says, In all places where I have moved with all the people of Israel, did I speak a word with any of the judges of Israel, whom I commanded to shepherd my people Israel, saying, Why have you not built me a house of cedar? And he's saying, I've never asked you to build me anything. I don't have to be housed in a great temple like the false gods of the heathen lands. Nope. A pup tent kind of God. That's good enough for me. But David, it's not good enough for you, is it? 
you really have it in your heart to build a house for me. Verse 8. Now, therefore, thus you shall say to my servant David, Thus says the Lord of hosts, I took you from the pasture from following the sheep, that you should be prince over my people Israel, and I have been with you wherever you went and have cut off all your enemies from before you. And I will make for you a great name, like the name of the great ones of the earth. And I will appoint a place for my people Israel, and I will plant them, that they may dwell in their own place and be disturbed no more, and violent men shall afflict them no more as formerly. David, you are a hero, and I'm going to finish the job for you, in you, for others. When I'm done with you, David, you will no more have enemies to get at you or to go at your flock or the shepherd Israel. I'm going to bring peace as the outcome of your struggles. And when I'm done with you, David, the wolves will be done. And a new day will dawn for God's people in a land where good things can go on that far surpass what you knew in your struggle. When Dr. Butler led this church in its early days, we camped out in a tent. How many of you were part of that camping out in the tent experiment? We had to do that because we didn't have a lease. He led us into a tent. And he held us together in that tent as I was recovering from memory loss and emotional stuff, and I was preaching the most awful sermons I think I've ever preached in my life, and he would say amen to every one of them. It just amazes me. We camped out in a tent for a church building, and Dr. Butler was a hero in those days to me with a smile on his face. You know, he came to me one day and says, Pastor Mike, you need to be a little bit more like Joel Olstein. Not in what he's teaching, but in how he smiles. Because, you know, I get this serious look half the time. I still struggle with that. You're going to have to be easy on me. But he led us with that brilliant smile like sheep through trouble. And he took care of the wolves with his literary ability. He'd write a letter and the wolves would stay away. And with him in those years, those were the best days of my life. No doubt about it. God got more direct with David. Verse 11. From the time that I appointed judges over my people Israel, and I will give you rest from your enemies. And look what he says next. Moreover, the Lord declares to you that the Lord will make you a house. David wanted to build a house for God. And God said, I'm going to build a house for you. David, you have had it in your heart all these years to build a house for me. You're not going to see it finished. You will never see the temple built in your life, but I'm going to build a house for you that you can see before you die, and that house will last far longer than that temple that will be built. Verse 12, when your days are fulfilled, when you lie down with your fathers, I will raise up your offspring after you who shall come forth from your body, and I will establish his kingdom. He shall build a house for my name, and I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever, and I will be his father And he shall be my son when he commits iniquity. I will chasten him with the rod of men, with the stripes of the sons of men. But I will not take my steadfast love from him as I took it from Saul, who I put away from before you. And your house and your kingdom shall be made sure forever before me. Your throne shall be established forever. When David heard the message from Nathan the prophet, he understood the deeper wisdom of God in life. Dr. Butler knew that he didn't have long to live. He lived to be 94, am I correct? I need correction. 95. I've been saying 94. 95. He came to church here just a few weeks ago and he was struggling to pull it off every week. You know, he was here until he couldn't come. Many of you don't know that we almost lost him a number of months ago, but God lent him to us for a little longer. 
I was told this week that Dr. Butler wanted his funeral to be in the new church. Is that right? Someone told that to me. We went over there a few weeks ago. I mean, we broke up here. We left here. And somebody said, why are you bringing such chaos to worship service? And we made the announcement we're leaving the new church. And we finished worship over there. Here's why. Because I'm telling you, it wasn't so much for you. It was for Dr. Butler. I wanted him to be there. I wanted him to see it. I didn't want to take the risk that he would not make it. More with Pastor Michael Oxentenko in just a moment. Studying the Bible is vital to our lives, and we would like to help you in that process by providing you free Bible study guides. These full-color Bible study guides are available for you right now if you dial this telephone number, 888-244-HOPE. That's 888-244-4673. We would love for you to call and get your copy of these free Bible study guides at any time. That's 888-244-4673. Now more with Pastor Michael Oxentenko. So we went over a few weeks ago and we had the service there because I wanted him to see it and we wanted him to see it and we wanted to see too. He saw a little bit of it, but he didn't see it all. We were in that foyer together and someone had to pray. And Dr. Butler prayed. How many of you remember the prayer? Right there in the foyer. And he started praying. He got a little circular. You know, he was, I think, stressed out and tired. And so he would repeat a little bit. You know, that prayer could have gone on for eternity in its beauty. Jesus, Jesus, thank you, Jesus. Grateful for that prayer. Time didn't matter because we lost a sense of it that day. When David's time came for him to die, his thoughts and affections went out to his son Solomon. Solomon in Hebrew means peace. God had promised David peace from all his enemies. And David named his son Solomon after peace. His reign would not be one of war like David's was, but one of peace. All the benefits of his life struggle would position his son that would follow him to build the house that David never could. David was given direction by God how to build it. David was directed by God to raise money and resources. He helped, but he did not build it. That calling was for Solomon. Fathers, I speak to you directly today. God has called you to be heroes for your children as men of God. And he has called on you to fight the battles that will smooth the path for your children so that they can go further than you can because of your righteous legacy that you have left them. He has designed it so that in his providence, your children should go much further than you have dreamed and that they might accomplish much more than you have envisioned by his power. Being a father is not about you. Being a father means being a hero who cares about others. Dr. Butler was that kind of hero in this church for many of us, a patriarch of faith who gave everything to make it so, a tree of righteousness. He was manhandled by so-called religious people at one point when he was standing for the weak and the broken because he wanted to save my life and others from the wolves. He saved this congregation and the relationship here. And some of those wolves became some of God's sheep because he was kind and meek in how he did it. Dr. Butler was a man after God's own heart like King David who put his money, except yeah, I think it was greater than King David in this sense. David messed up. I have never seen Dr. Butler mess up. I've never seen him speak evil of anyone. His adversaries, he'd find something good to say in a way that, you know, if he had to deal with it, he had the mind of Christ. 
His presence, his effort, his very life was put on the line for this congregation. And he did not demonize where he came from to build what would become before him. He was a Christian man. The very first week I met with the group that left with Dr. Butler after a year of being away, he spoke freely of a new church, a new Adventist church that he would build and that we would build together for the future glory of God. I imagine he told God just like David did, I want to build a house for you. And in time, God said, no, I'm going to build a house for you. We are all this day the house that God has built. We have not yet stepped into the building, but we are the house that he envisioned. Dr. Butler was slow to understand this, but I think he finally got it. David drew Solomon to his side and he blessed him, admonished him how to be a king. Friend, it takes a king to teach a prince how to become a king and live like one. It takes a hero who is a father to teach a prince how to behave like a hero and have the virtue of a leader and thus move with honor to the role of being a king. David had learned these lessons of life that Solomon needed to advance in life. David had fought the battles of life that cleared the path for Solomon's victory and accomplishments in life. David had last words to say to his son Solomon. 2 Samuel 23 verse 1. Now these are the last words, the oracles of David, the son of Jesse, the oracle of the man who was raised on high, the anointed of God of Jacob, the sweet psalmist of Israel, the spirit of the Lord speaks by me. His word is upon my tongue. Now he's saying here, son, I'm not just speaking. God is speaking through me to you. I have something to say about your future. These are my last words. My favorite Bible writer had this to say about this interaction with David and Solomon in the book Prophets and Kings, page 26. With tender earnestness, David entreated Solomon to be manly and noble, to show mercy and loving kindness to his subjects, and in all his dealings with the nations of earth to honor and glorify the name of God, to make manifest the beauty of holiness. The many trying and remarkable experiences through which David had passed during his lifetime had taught him the value of nobler virtues and led him to declare in his dying charge to Solomon. And then she quotes 2 Samuel 23, verse 3, and we'll look at verse 4. He who rules over men must be just, ruling in the fear of God, and he shall be like the light of the morning when the sun rises. A morning without clouds like the tender grass springing out of the earth by clear shining after rain. You see, David was not afraid to direct his son in the direction of nobility of character, to cast a vision of his future that God in him would pull off, even though David himself would be gone. David cast a vision for a king's success. He would never see it with his own eyes. He encouraged his son to be a man of God and to walk in holiness before God. He appealed to him to honor the law of God, to never forget that an honorable father and a loving father is only a shadow of the honor and love of God. To know God is to love him, and for that you must be a man of God. You have never killed a giant, Solomon. You've never fought a war. You've never taken the life of an enemy. And you've never faced the wolves down, but you will. But the man who stands for God in the home, in the church, and in the kingdom, that man will stand and become a hero. And go further than I have ever done in time of war. Solomon learned the lesson of his father's legacy in his early life. A legacy that made a difference in the years in which he remembered it. He learned that you need a hero and you need counselors too. And when his father died, he could say with clarity, I have a hero and my hero is dad. 
God became the longer-lasting father and the deeper friend in Solomon's early life because his father pointed him to God. And you know, Solomon drifted. God brought him back, and he ended his life with God. Solomon built the house his father dreamed of for his father God and his father hero David. That will complete our broadcast today entitled, I Have a Hero Who is Dad. You can find it online at reachingyourheart.com. Again, that web address is reachingyourheart.com. And thanks for listening today. If you're living in Northern Virginia, or if you don't mind driving just a little bit, Pastor Mike would like to invite you personally to a seminar to learn about the amazing prophetic discoveries as found in the book of Revelation. Now, this series starts Friday, March the 23rd at 7 p.m. and is being conducted by Pastor Mike's good friend, Pastor Mark Finley, who is a pastor, author, and evangelist who has taken these seminars to over 80 countries. You'll not want to miss Pastor Mark's dynamic, compassionate, and thought-provoking discoveries that enables you to really actually understand the book of Revelation and face the future with confidence. This seminar is free and will be conducted at the Battlefield Best Western Inn, 10820 Ballsford Road, Manassas, Virginia. That's 10820 Ballsford Road, Manassas, Virginia. The seminar is packed with content and will be conducted in the evenings at 7 p.m. on Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Tuesday, and Wednesday. Hey, if you can't attend the entire series, please stop by and learn some amazing discoveries with the time that you have. That's 10820 Ballsford Road, Manassas, Virginia. You can call this telephone number for more information. 888-244-HOPE. That's 888-244-4673. Be prepared. It's a great motto to keep in mind given the difficult times that we all face here in the future. We'd love for you to have a book entitled Ultimate Survival. This book will give you practical steps on how you can survive spiritually. You'll discover keys to physical, mental, and spiritual survival you may not know existed. Call right now, 888-244-HOPE. That's 888-244-4673. And join us again next time for another edition of Reaching Your Heart. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.